Hi, I'm Jacqueline Lowe. I'm from Grace That Reigns, and our mission is to renew your sense of wonder. Welcome to our first podcast of our fall and winter series called Fall Into the Light. This series offers opportunities for men and women from all walks of life to share their stories of God's healing grace, specifically through prayer ministry at Grace That Reigns. In our first podcast, Bishop Gilmore and I will share our first impressions of the healing ministry, where we first heard of it, what we thought of it, and how it affected us. Then, Bishop Gilmore will discuss the Church's teachings about the topic of healing in the Catholic Church. Hello, friends. This is Bishop Gilmore of Grace That Reigns. Our subject today is healing. We are fascinated by it, and we are repulsed by it. We secretly want it, and we publicly run from it. We love it, and we hate it. What is this strange thing, this healing? Jacqueline, You and I have felt a similar love-hate reaction to healing in our own lives. I was first exposed to it as a child, perhaps 11 or 12 years old. That's when my aunt and uncle called my attention to one Granville Oral Roberts. There's a name for you. Oral Roberts was a traveling preacher in Oklahoma to the south of us with his large tent rallies, his flourishing radio ministry, and in 1954, a new television ministry. Mr. Roberts was right up there with Billy Graham. Starting out as a member of the charismatic Pentecostal church, he ended as a Methodist And in the one case or the other, he was always interested in one thing, the phenomenon of healing. People went to his rallies and they were swooning and falling, getting up out of wheelchairs, throwing away crutches, waving their arms and singing and dancing all over the stage. What did I think of that? my uncle and aunt wanted to know. Did I believe in that? Truth to tell, Jacqueline, I didn't know what to think about it. Only 11 years old, I was uncomfortable with it. I was a very buttoned-up child, not given to emotional displays. So I mumbled something to the effect that We didn't do that in our church, and then trailed off into silence. But the sheer rawness of it all stabbed at my attention. The power of it, the emotion of it, the unbridled joy of it. I guess I was attracted, but confused, and a little afraid of it. So, Jacqueline, when did this healing phenomenon 
break into your own life. Could you share your first reaction to it? Yeah, I can too, Bishop. And just listening to you, it brought back memories. Obviously, I too was introduced to it on TV. Mom and Dad watched a few episodes of Jimmy Swaggart. This time, Jimmy Swaggart was famous late in the 80s, I believe. Mm-hmm. Not only Jimmy, but the people in the crowd scared me. Mm-hmm. Their arms were waving. They were falling backwards. They were singing and chanting in different languages. It was a little too unpredictable for me. Was it the contrast with the Jesus you knew from the scriptures? And mm-hmm. When I read the Bible as a kid, I was reading the Bible, Jesus didn't have his tents flying all over the place. He he didn't have everyone falling. It it just was more relaxed. He, he walked from village to vill- village, and he, you know, he said, you know, he talked to them, and he said, you will be healed, or, and he cured the lame and the sick. Right. Okay. It, it just seemed to me that this wasn't the kind of Jesus or that you knew. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Good. The second time I was introduced to the healing ministry was when I was older. So my aunt, who lived on Vancouver Island, invited me to a prayer meeting because she belonged to it. And and I went because, sure, she needed a ride and I could bring her there. Mm-hmm. She told me that her the leader of her prayer group had the gift of healing. And I didn't pray. I wasn't involved in any prayer groups then, but I thought, well... I guess I have nothing to lose because I wanted her to pray for physical uh, infirmity that I had. She brought me there. We drove together. And that was the beginning of a long, long number of years of religious manipulation that I personally went through where this woman instructed me, first, not to see a doctor. Second, she said that if I saw a doctor, it meant that I had no face. Mm-hmm third, and that God was punishing me because I had this illness, and that, falsely, I remember this so much, that I was a sinful person because I must have given myself this illness, you know, wow. so to speak. She, she told you that? Yes, it was, wow. it was really bad. So she made me believe these because she was manipulative, and I had no idea what this religion was about. Mm-hmm. And the last thing she said was um, that I had the devil in me because I wasn't doing things for her that made her look good. Okay. Okay, I didn't quite understand what that meant, but I knew this was wrong, but I was trapped in this. So so this all flew in my face, and all of it, through all of it, I kept thinking, well, the Catholic Church taught me that God is love. But still, she scared the... (laughs) <laughs> just get the bejesus out of me. <laughs> and so the gift of healing was the last thing that I ever, ever would want and ask for myself. But as it turned out, I did receive this gift of healing, which really in the beginning and for a long time was like a curse to me. Because of the suffering, though, and manipulation, when I received it, I, I rebelled for many mm-hmm. years. But looking back, I wonder... Maybe I received this gift because of the pain and manipulation that I went through in order to use it. I don't know. Because I knew then that I would never, ever treat anyone else, anyone, like the way I was treated. Right. Okay. 
Well, that, that makes sense to me, Jacqueline. But I take it now, even in spite of all that, the Lord somehow did pull you out of the rude and scoffing multitude, that's all the rest of us, <laughs> pulled you out of that, of that multitude and gave you this charism of healing, it is called. And that's really mm-hmm. how two hard-headed skeptics, me and you, mm-hmm. ended up being thrown together when we had a priest in our diocese who was in need of healing. Yeah, and I could even say, too, that when you called me, I came kicking and screaming, and it took a long time for me to even cross that border. (laughs) (laughs) I think I was driven across that day, too, to take a flight, and, you know, it was the 4th of July, the the 1st of July, which was Canada Day. I wanted to celebrate. I didn't want to go see you and a bunch of priests. That was the Uh, last thing I wanted to do. uh, Okay, okay. Remember that? So you were kicking and screaming, being <laughs> being forcibly dragged across the border, and I in Dodge City was waiting for you with a certain wariness. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> Definitely. I was wary of your gift in the beginning. So was I. But we were desperate for help, and you did come to us with a good recommendation. And as I got to know more about you, Mm -hmm. some of this kicking and screaming part, (laughs) you struck me as being the most reluctant healer I ever heard of and certainly (laughs) ever met. That made me, made you seem a little more authentic to me, Mm. okay? Because of what I experienced and what you experienced with healing growing up. More authentic because you were reluctant about this, okay? Right. So, let me put on my pointy bishop's hat now and tell our listeners briefly what the Catholic spiritual tradition does actually say about healing. That would be great. Mm -hmm. In a word, the Church does accept the phenomenon of healing. It is fundamental to her understanding of Christ. Mm -hmm. And it is fundamental to her understanding of her own mission in the world. She does accept the phenomenon of healing. And so then, Bishop, what does the church then say about it? What does she say about it? Okay, let me put it this way. First, she says this. On the very heels of that original sin, the Father promised a Savior to come. The serpent will strike at his heel, the book of Genesis tells us, Mm -hmm. but he will crush its head. So from the Exodus, through the judges, through the kings, through the prophets, the Hebrew people of the Old Testament always, always looked forward to the same thing, a Savior who was to come. Right. Mm -hmm. I remember that. Second, the church says this, that Savior did come, the New Testament generation told us. Mm -hmm. He did come in the person of Jesus, the Son of Mary. Mm Okay? Mm Mm-hmm. Over 90% of his life was, in fact, hidden away 
in Nazareth. Nazareth. He was a slow, perhaps a shy kind of Savior. Mm-hmm. But when his hour had come, he did step out on his public ministry, and then it was that two very basic things happened. What happened? First, he proclaimed the nearness of the God of God's kingdom, mm-hmm. and he challenged people to change the way they were living, to open themselves to the coming of that kingdom. Mm-hmm. Okay, right. Second. He healed those who came to him as a way of showing the power of his presence Mm -hmm. and the power of his word that he was, in fact, the Savior they had longed for all that time. Okay. Okay? Mm -hmm. Remember those two things. He said something and he did something. Mm -hmm. The core of the church's belief about healing lies in those two things, to preach and to heal. Third, the church says this about those who were his chosen ones, his friends, his apostles. So did he send the apostles. In fact, the word apostle means one who is sent. That's like all of us. Yes. Mm Mm-hmm. He sent, so he sent the apostles to do what? Okay. To be with him, basically. Mm-hmm. And then when they were with him, they could do the same two things. To preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick, including those sickened by attacks of that ancient serpent, the devil. Right. Okay. okay. Mm-hmm. They handed on <clears throat> what they had seen and heard of God, and they healed those who came to them. And in the end, they did nothing more than imitate Jesus Christ, even to the point of dying in his name. And so it has gone mm-hmm. all the years since they lived, And so it continues to go in our church, and so it will go until the Lord comes again at the end of time. Mm -hmm. The church believes that Christ healed. The church believes that the apostles healed. The church believes that her members are also involved in healing in multiple ways in the sacraments, through the saints, and through the charism of healing bestowed on individuals as the Lord's own free gift. So in the end, Jacqueline, it comes to this. The church believes that healing is an integral part of her mission, that through her, through her members, Christ continues to heal in our world. Grace that reigns is happy to play its own small part in that deep and cleansing and renewing action of the Lord Jesus himself. So, Jacqueline, that's essentially how the church views healing 
which is what the church thinks about healing. Hmm. Now, we will take up a little more on that subject uh, when we move to the various testimonies you're going to have in this, this new series we're starting. Mm-hmm. We can talk a little bit more about the different kinds of healing, and that may clarify it even more. But for now, we'll leave it at this, and we thank you, Jacqueline, for uh, helping us understand more of this mystery, this ministry, and we thank all of you for listening this morning. So maybe, Bishop, the Lord chose two reluctant dingbats, the both of us, so long ago, <laughs> to maybe help to help others to see what we have seen. I think that's probably true, Jacqueline. Uh, certainly, <laughs> you didn't choose it yourself. I didn't choose it myself. And yet, here we are. Friends, now that you know our story a little better, and you know more about the teachings of the Catholic Church in response to the topic of healing, I hope you'll be able to join us for some Q&A next week as we fall into the light. If this recording or any of our podcasts at Renewing Your Wonder has helped you in any way in your spiritual life, please donate to us for our spiritual work at www.gracethatreigns.com.